And now, Kyle and Steven present another episode of the Go F*** Yourself podcast. Um, it's Fix. Really? Well, that's embarrassing. The Go Fix Yourself podcast. Welcome to the Go Fix Yourself podcast, the podcast where Kyle and I, we're just trying to learn stuff and we're trying to fix what we don't know. I am your co-host, Stephen, and like I said, sitting to my left is my co-host, who just looks like a he's trying to be one of the, the teenagers in, in high school. He's He's got his backwards hat on. He looks cool. His name is Kyle Redding. I, I like to think I'm pretty cool. You remind me of that Steve Buscemi like meme. Like, what, what's uh, going what's on? What's the cool kids up to what's today? What's going on, cool kids? You know, I'm really trying because I'm feeling past my prime by a few years now. You don't look it. 37. 37. 37 sounds... I don't know. I don't like the sound of it. 40's creeping up. A lot of people don't like 40. And it's coming. So I'm going to be getting younger. How are you feeling turning 40? What's your thoughts right now? Well, I'm going to bring back my Jinko jeans. Yes, please. I'm going to start dressing like a skater. Like all the high school kids. Smash Mouth All-Star? Maybe. (laughs) Rest in peace, I know. That was horrible news. Yeah, just read that. Yeah, no, we are back for another episode. and, And this one has been one that I've been pretty excited oh about. man me too me too i so how it came about um so we've been you know uh aware of our guest uh for a while and you sent me something on facebook was it i believe it, it was a facebook was. post it was a post yes um and it was um i mean do we want to get into that or do we want to like introduce our guest and i think we introduce it. and then we yeah, start yeah. talking about all the facebook posts that probably yeah. happened <laughs> <laughs> so uh please put your hands together uh and make a uh, very yeah, yes <laughs> and make him feel very welcome uh reverend matt schultz Hello, welcome to the everybody. podcast thank you so much thanks for having me today i'm really happy to be here oh Hi. man we like i said we are excited to have you here um and we talked about a little bit before we started recording is um you know when we we come from religious backgrounds right mm-hmm. and yeah. so we are very curious and we're on paths we're on journeys and so when Kyle sent me this facebook post and i i think i remember it was like during pride parade okay and it was like yeah. it it went kind of big and i even like he sent it to me and i was like so stoked to see that you were like backing uh the pride parade and but also like you know if it's the one I'm thinking of, we had people come up to the church. Yes, we were helping to it host was. it, you know, yeah. doing our best to be hospitable and supportive of the parade. And these uh, two kids, I'll say, they're um, even younger than you. And they, um, they came Which up. Which is not very. <laughs> <laughs> and they came up essentially using the same old tired uh, tropes from their poor understanding of scripture, trying to cast right. uh, being gay as sinful and mm-hmm. bad. And here I am with friends and family around me. Many of the people there in our company were gay. And I said, your language is abusive. You're no longer welcome on this property. And I kicked them off of church property. Literally the first time I've ever kicked anybody out of church. Hmm. um, So it was, it was odd in the moment. I was hot under the clergy collar. I was like really upset. And uh, uh, yeah, I just escorted them off to the end of the property and 
Yeah. yeah. It helps that I'm, you know, six one and 200 pounds. I can kind of <laughs> yeah. motivate yeah. people to yeah. leave when I need to. But um, it was a weird moment because my whole ethos really is to welcome people into church, right? You try to right. bring people in. You don't usually kick them out. Yeah. But that, it's worth it. That was the post that I, <laughs> I, I sent him and I was like, that's somebody we need on yeah. to kind of, I don't know, get rid of some of the stereotypes that we're yeah. used to with. The stigma. Yeah, with yep. religion. And, and, and that we have even like myself, have had to break down, right? So yeah. it's like, you know, when when I left the faith, it was like, well, when I say that, it's more like when I left the the organized religion, right? Right. And it's like I still have faith. Mm-hmm. Um and but anyway, like I think there's still stigmas that come with it, like the cringy ones, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that Facebook post was very um I don't know, it was very welcoming. If, to me as like an outsider being like, oh my goodness, you know, finally like someone in the faith and like, who's, you know, the, the big boss, not the big, big boss, <laughs> not, but like the, yeah. you know, yeah. the guy I'm middle from, the pulpit, yeah, yeah, yeah. from yeah. the pulpit, from the pulpit, <laughs> like kind of being like, Hey, like knock that shit off. Like, uh, Get yeah, I just thought that was very refreshing. To and see. that's exactly what you said, I believe, right? <laughs> Knock that shit off. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't remember word for word. We, we, was, we, that was the sentiment. Uh, we we've skipped over one of our our, our favorite things to do to yes. start the podcast. You know, we got you got, got us him. going on yeah. religion right away. And we oh, got I didn't do that. He did. I did it. I yes. did it. it was, I'm just so excited. I'm just yeah, I'm, I'm I just want to charge, you know, in there. Um okay, so you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, my parents listen to every episode and they're in New York, which we just found out. Yeah. You, I am from upstate New York. Which uh, is crazy. Yeah. If you think about where Massachusetts and Vermont and New York come to a T, that's about where we live on the New York side of the mm-hmm. Germans. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So my parents who still live in upstate New York in Corning, mm-hmm. um, they listen to every podcast. And so we like to say, hey, introduce yourself to Rick and Carol. Um, and, 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 uh, give them like just a quick little information. You don't need to go into too, too deep cause we will, um, but just give them a little rundown. All right. About, about me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. About who you are. Introduce. Hi Rick. Hi Carol. Thanks so much for allowing me to be a guest here today. It's a pleasure to meet you. And my name is Matt Schultz. I'm the pastor at First Presbyterian Church here in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm also on the steering committee for Christians for Equality which stands up for pro-LGBTQIA plus inclusion. It also works toward raising the minimum wage and uh, trying to reduce homelessness and other similar do-goody things. And it's um, a treat and a pleasure to serve our city in this way. And I hope I can meet you in person one day. That, well, they probably do too. They're probably they're like, flying up right now. They bought their tickets and they're like, "I'm coming. We're going." <laughs> that's not what neither of my parents sound like, but that's probably my best impression. Like, we're coming up. Yeah, we got to go to church. So, w- when did becoming a reverend become an option for you? Like, that is that something you were like, I as a child. That was a goal of yours. Yeah, in some ways. I always, I wouldn't say goal. I've never been that linear in my thinking. I'm more of a daydreamer and an artist, and I just kind of sense my way forward, so to speak. Um, but I've always known that religion was a huge part of who I am. And and again, like you were saying, the, there's, there's the difference between religion and faith. So really, faith was always a big part of what I was, hmm. regardless of what expression it chose to be. Uh, I went to college for art. I thought I was going to be an art teacher. By the time I recognized I was being called to ministry as my actual full-time devotion, um, it was too late to switch majors. I didn't have enough money to to switch that up. So um, 
I just finished up the degree and headed off into the ministry world, which is its own thing. Mm-hmm. I had to go do some work and then some further schooling. And what was your like art um, medium of choice? Pencils mostly, uh, really? because they were cheap. I never had any money, so oh. you know, if you want to get into oil paints, that's a big investment yeah. in, in space and in the chemicals and cleaning and all sorts of stuff. And so I was always low, low budget. By the time I had enough money to buy paints, I also had kids. So I didn't want oil paints and then paint thinner around. So I went to <laughs> acrylic paint and that's still what I use primarily. Nice. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, you st- you still do art? Oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love it. I love it. It's uh, when, actually, when does this air? Uh, This will be a few weeks. Great. So my wife is out of town right now and I'm painting her a surprise painting. So she's away for five days. When she gets back, I'll have a painting. For her. Oh, so that's going to be really fun. Well, that's, that's a good That's gift. romantic right Damn, there. Take, a, take notes. Write it down. That. Write it down. I'm going to do I'm that give too. Alicia my, I'm going to draw my wife a stick figure guy. Yeah. yeah. I, love it. Uh, yeah. She will. Yeah. I don't have a lot of this art. This is nice. <laughs> yeah. This, this is, is nice. You'll this know is it's great. good if she puts it up on the fridge. Yeah. With the magnet. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but like, how old are you? I just turned 51. No way. Really? So no way. I complain about approaching 40. I'm like, ah. I saw, I, I was doing a little. I would never have guessed. I know. I was doing some background, you know, reading some articles. He's and a stuff journalist. Like, <laughs> I, I, try, oh, I try okay. to dig into dig deep. the dirt. And I saw. Is this gotcha journalism? Y- it <laughs> is. I never encountered gotcha. it. Gotcha. Yeah. Nice. Get ready. Right. <laughs> um, obviously, your name is not super uncommon in, in the internet world. It's the lead singer of Cage the Elephant. Yes. Yeah. And so that came, up a, that came up a lot. <laughs> yeah. Or but, is it? Yeah, and then I saw, um, you know, comma, 51. I was like, oh, that's not him. Uh, <laughs> so I just uh, kept, <laughs> kept looking around because, I mean, you look you look great for 51. That's very kind. Yeah. That, I wake up in the morning and step out of bed and every joint goes snap, crackle, pop. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I pull my neck just shampooing. And so <laughs> my body definitely is 51. I'm falling apart. Interesting. Is there, yeah. is there uh, like a routine? Do you have a skin routine or something? No. Do you have like, do you exercise? I chose my hairstyle because it's zero maintenance. That's, yeah, I don't do anything to anything. Like, really? Yeah. Maybe okay. that's maybe that's the secret. My big gift to myself for turning fifty was LASIK surgery. I've worn oh. glasses and contacts since uh, third grade, and and so that was the main maintenance of my cranium. <laughs> was putting contact lenses in all the time, and still that was that was a year ago. And every night I brush my teeth and I like I reach to take out my contact, my contact. lenses and they're not there anymore. <laughs> it's it's a miracle. Yeah, it's that's something thing. that's something that terrifies me like yeah. beyond all anything like I'm, I'm not afraid of uh, I'm afraid of snakes but I am terrified of like lasers in my eyes and everybody <laughs> who's done it like is like oh it's not that bad you know but it it's like hurt at all but the weird thing is you can smell it yeah smell uh, the burning smell burning whatever is burning and yeah. and, that so like, and, you, and then you have to like keep your eyes open the whole time yeah, yeah. anything there anytime like I'm watching like movies and there's like something to do with eyes yeah like you know clockwork orange where they yes. yeah, yeah yeah not a fan not a fan <laughs> yeah uh so i'm just like you know what glasses are okay with me you know yeah. um well okay so i i'm interested so you were an artist mm-hmm. and then you said you just got into ministry how does but it always has been um so it's kind of the family business my dad was a catholic priest and my mom was a catholic nun Oh, mm. they got married and excommunicated all at once. And wow. So, uh, um, I'm the only guy you'll meet who has two parents that each took a vow of celibacy. And the, after they got married and had us kids, they moved upstate and the local priest said, well, you're still part of our family. It's okay. So they raised us in the Catholic church, but we knew this story. So I was raised in a church that I knew on a grand level had already kicked out my family. Mm. Oh, so, so I had this deep 
sense of faith, but I also had a deep distrust for institutional religion. Mm. Um, so I knew I wanted to do something. I just didn't know what. Um, age 16, my mom was the confirmation class teacher. And so I was like, well, to be respectful, I'll go through her class and then I'll leave. And I did. And I went off to find my own direction, which it turned out was just right down the street uh, at the Presbyterian-ish church, because that's where all the pretty girls in town were going. <laughs> yeah, smart. I followed the girls. Yeah, I know. That I, That was my, when I was growing up in Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, I was like, why Why are we Presbyterian guys? <laughs> I had a big crush on uh, on one of the Presbyterian girls. And I was like, we need to move or yeah. something. That probably is what caused the Reformation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, you know, that's an interesting story. So you, from the beginning, almost, you maybe had like a little bit of like, you know, animosity, animosity for institutional religion, but also at the same, not only because of that, but also see my big brother is an atheist, Mm. love him with my whole heart, of course. And I have just always had as much of a sense that God is here with us in this room as the two of you are. Mm -hmm. Now I don't see visions. I don't hear voices. But it's as if the sense of sight, you can see that cup in your hand and, and you can touch it and feel it. That's, I just have always had this faith sense that God is here. It's not something I choose. It's something I uh, witness or experience. Mm-hmm. My brother was not born with that sense. And so I always try to preach my sermons or write my articles or whatever, thinking, will this land on his ears mm. with joy and love? Right? Will he feel welcomed by what I'm saying? Right. And if not, then I don't say it. Interesting. And so that's been, we've had this parallel life all along that when I was going through confirmation ca- class in the Catholic Church, I was so into it. I was like, I love this stuff. This is really interesting. And I was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What, what was Thanksgiving like with him? Would Great. you guys, because I imagine you guys have, obviously, you've, you've, you've taken different paths to some extent. Yeah, we're close. As but you're a, close. Yeah, it's not okay. an issue. There was a time in the mid-90s, I was much more in the like uh, zealous evangelical phase of things. Sure. And I tried to, you know, like get him interested in it. And, but it never felt right. Like I was kind of newly experiencing and, and experimenting with how to live out my faith in, this, in these ways. And so, like, I gave him a, a, a burned him a CD or a mixtape. I forget what era of audio tech it was with, you know, some of these Christian songs on it. Mm. Oh, maybe this will get him interested. And um, so that was the only time I think there was ever any sort of weirdness. And it was because of me, not him. Right. Yeah. But so, aside from that, no, we get along great. We're laughing all the time. We He lives in London. So we mostly communicate oh, wow. via Facebook Messenger with, with him and my little brother. We're just always talking to the three of us. Interesting. What's your little, bro- is your little brother? Yeah. So my big brother is, uh, he works in like screenwriting and creative writing in London. My little brother is an emergency room nurse on Long Island. Huh. Oh. So we're we're kind of spanning the half the globe. Yeah. <laughs> helping people creatively, helping people uh, physically, and helping people spiritually. That's the thing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, that's got cool. mind and soul. All covered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys, I mean, you kind of mentioned it, that you kind of went through a period of trying to maybe convince him that Christianity was the way in some yeah. regards. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't ever that well articulated internally for me. It just sure. felt like that's what other Christians were doing. And so I was like, should I be doing this? And like my own personal theology was not yet formed. This is pre-seminary, which really helps you sort that shit out in mm. a lot of really important ways. And so I was kind of following along patterns that I saw peers doing mm-hmm. without necessarily understanding that it was disrespectful to him. 
So, so can you explain to everybody, which means me too, is <laughs> yeah. seminary, like what all goes on during that? Like in, in yeah. a nutshell, I know there's a lot. There's but- a lot. And a lot of it depends on your denomination and which school you go to. So if you go to like, um, well, what's the Southern Baptist one? Liberty right? They have a seminary. Liberty too. University. That's going to be entirely different than what I experienced sure. at Princeton Theological Seminary, which is very academic, mm-hmm. right? And then there's some spiritual formation stuff, whereas in others, it's just like you walk in and they go, did Jesus call you here? And they're like, yes. And like, here's a diploma. Oh, we had rigorous stuff that we had to go through. It was really, really difficult and hard. And my wife and I were terrified because my wife also is an ordained Presbyterian minister. We went oh. through seminary together and oh, wow. had many classes together. Lots of the same tests. We studied with each other. If I got a B, she got a B plus. If I got an A, she got an A plus every single time. She was always <laughs> one step ahead of me, and it pissed me off. <laughs> uh, but it, so it, at our seminary, very academically rigorous, very serious. There were kind of two different paths. Uh, the PhD course people, they're the hyperbrainiacs. You just can't keep up with them. They're too smart. And then people like me who are smart enough to get into the seminary and do the work and do it well but want to spend time serving people in a more uh, in their life kind of way, as opposed mm-hmm. to the, the, you know, the academic side of, which is super important. Don't, I'm not trying to disparage that. Um, so we went for what's called the master of divinity degree, mm-hmm. shortened to MDiv. And so the PhD people are always going for the A plus on everything. Our rallying cry was C equals MDiv. Mm-hmm. Get a C in the class, spend your time hanging out with your peers and talking to them and having these relationships. Cause that's what you need as a pastor anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was good. Every night when it was warm enough, uh, we would grill in the commons area between our dorms. And at this point, we had one child and some of our friends had kids. So the kids would be running around the playground, grilling together, drinking beer, talking uh-huh. about the theology we had learned that day and trying to trying to learn Greek and Hebrew and all these things you have to do in school. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was very difficult, very exhausting, very beautiful, the most spiritually rewarding time in my life by far. Mm. <laughs> our first day of class. So they was September 12th, 2001. Oh. So the night before the day of the attacks, we were gathering anyway, there was already like a banquet. Welcome, you know, beginning sure. freshman, first year, I'm going to say freshman at that level, but, um, and then it became this whole other thing. Yeah. And we're oh, like, wow. and we all showed up at this place devastated and like half of us thinking, should I join the army? Like, what are, what's this world going to oh. be now? And the president of the seminary addressed us, Reverend Dr. Thomas Gillespie. And he said, uh, the question everyone's asking is, why am I here? What am I doing here in school when the world is on fire? And where we were in Princeton, you can see the Manhattan skyline mm-hmm. oh. from, from where we are. We could see the smoke rising, you know, so it was palpably close. And he said, this is exactly where you need to be. The thing that caused these attacks was a religious ideology that had subtracted compassion from itself. Mm -hmm. And your job now is to equip yourself to better speak hope into a violent and burning world. Mm. And so we were all like, holy shit, we're in, man. You know, and so we buckled down and and did the work. I love that. That's quite a time to have to kind of question what you're going to be doing the next few years because I have a stepson who's who's 14 now. Mm -hmm. And so he doesn't, wasn't alive then, uh, but he, he asked me because they just went over it in school. Right. Um, and that time, you know, I remember it being in, you know, ninth grade or whatever, but there's so many people that joined the military strictly right. just because of that happened. Mm-hmm. Like so many people's lives changed just yeah. from one day that 
weren't even remotely close to New York, but it was yeah. just everybody felt called to be like, what do I need to do or what, how can I help? Right. And, and it's so crazy because everybody automatically thinks of, of the military or, mm -hmm. or some, you know, first responders or something, but mm -hmm. dealing with people uh, in, in religion and all these things that come up that a lot of people are probably questioning, you know, of those Therapists, people that, well, sure. So on and mm -hmm. so forth, yeah. I mean, the biggest thing I remember discussing at school was the people that had jumped off the buildings. Oh, sure. Yeah. And because, of course, we talk about suicide and stuff like that and heaven, and it was really uncomfortable conversations to have. And I was like, man, I really wish there was somebody to kind of discuss that where it didn't feel so blaming the person that was in a situation that was impossible. Right. And so right. we had some really weird discussions that mm -hmm. I, I remember being in ninth grade or whatever. And I was like, I don't think this sounds right. Like yeah. that, this feels weird. And, and that sense of this, the, whatever that is inside of you that recognized it right. was going one direction and the rules of the institution were just too rigid and going that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so often religions harm people's souls. I think that's what it was. Your soul was telling you that's the wrong direction. I should be going here. And institutions harm souls by trying to force the soul into our pre-made structure. Mm -hmm. It's a terrible thing. And I'm proud of my denomination because we try our best not to do that. It's very grassroots. It's democratically organized. There's no penalty for leaving ever. And there's no shaming people, um, no fire and brimstone. It's very much... My job is to help people's souls find their own direction. And mm. if that means they leave the church, okay, you know, I'll, I'll wish you well. I hope you stay. I, I would love having you around. But if if you decide after a couple of years in our church, I'm just called to do this other thing, mm -hmm. then I'll I'll pack you a lunch and send you on your way. What, why do you think churches are so rigid in a lot of, and, and not every church, obviously, but a lot of churches, I feel like that's what's driven a lot of people away is there is mm. no room for flexibility in anything. Like right. yeah. you mentioned- it's black and white. Having mm. having beers at seminary. Yeah. If hearing that- And you and you cursed. Would, yeah. Sure. That's another but thing too. That so it's just to make your that was, dad not like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was that to make, was, make me just, like you more yeah. and then like <laughs> me that less. That was just slavery. I'm here, they're not. I yeah. You know, but- 25 years ago, little Kyle would have been like, oh, gee, you better yeah. watch it. He's yeah. uh, flirting with the devil there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. but like all of these things that I grew up with, like, this is right. This is wrong. You yeah. can't do this or you go to hell. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've talked about this many times on the podcast is my biggest mistake I made as a child was the, um, being told if I swear to God and I break that promise, I'm going straight to hell. And how old were you? I mean, this was probably from like eight. That's, I mean, that's just so harmful. I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I, I've said it many times on this podcast. I spent so many nights crying mm. myself to sleep because I was like, I'm going to hell because it was something as simple as like, do you like this girl? And I was like, no way. Right. right. And they're like, swear to God that you don't. And I was like, yeah. I do. Yeah. And then I, that home, I was like, you're so stupid, Kyle. You're going to hell now over, <laughs> over Jessica. Way to go. And I mean, but I took it serious. Right. As a yeah. child, I was like, I mean, what's the point in even living? I'm going to hell right. anyways. Mm -hmm. Like I just irrational child, but still that hurt me. Yeah. And, yeah. and I've talked about it and it's like, there's a lot of those things where it's like, how did I even get to believe that? Somebody right, told me that. Right. And that was a no flexibility. And it comes out of 
it doesn't come from scripture. That whole mindset sure. is, it paints a picture of a cruel God, right? Of just someone who's willing to send you to be tortured forever. Yeah, right. What kind of idiot does that, right? right. If, if God is that cruel, then I want no part of that. Just send me to hell. If, if you're sending my brother to hell, I'm going with him. Right. That's mm. all there is to it. I'm not going to be up there enjoying paradise and be like, ah, poor Bob, he's roasting down there. What a yeah. jerk. Right. You know, no, I, I won't worship a God that does that to anybody. Right. So, and, go ahead. I'm kind of curious then, does your definition of heaven, hell, like, match with, like, we grew up being like, especially me and you too, I would imagine, is like, you know, pitchforks, fire, burning. Burning forever. And then streets of gold, mansions, I will say no. Singing. My picture does not match that. It matches the Bible. Most of what you're saying there comes from an interpretation of scripture that came out of the Middle Ages, much of it from Dante and mm. similar other mm. acts, uh, works of literature and art that were just, you know, maybe some dude was writing a book and this has to be more interesting. So let's make hell into, you know, multiple levels and we have to progress through it and, uh, you know, power up to fight the big boss at the end of hell. And he, uh, and, and so the pitchforks, that's not a thing, mm. you know, and the devil with the horns, that's not a thing. Um, and every single time, hell is talked about in the Bible, it's within the context either of a parable or in the context of what's called apocalyptic literature. When you hear the word apocalypse, you think the end of the world. That's not what it means. Apocalyptic is a genre of literature, which is heavily, heavily, heavily cloaked in metaphor and surreal dreamlike imagery because it's actually a political screed against the Caesar of the moment. Mm. And if they actually got caught writing something down like Nero's an asshole, they would have gotten killed. So instead they write, oh, the dragon rises out of the sea, but the lamb slaughters it. Yeah, right. it means the same thing. Right. They just can't say it out loud. Yeah, mm. like, interesting. like political cartoons in a right. sense. And so when we see hell talked about in that genre, well, we're not supposed to take that literally. It's a disservice to the actual writing to say this really happened. Similar to if you watch the movie uh, Everywhere, Everything Everywhere All at Once, right? Mm -hmm. And you said, this is, this is a physics lesson on how universes actually function, right? No, that's not the point of the movie. Right. The point of the movie is more about doing laundry and taxes with the ones you love and the importance of each individual person and choice. It's not about, well, does the multiverse actually function this way? <laughs> right? So you should never look at the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation and say, this is actually how we quote unquote get into heaven. Right. Or this is actually what happens to the sinners. They get burned up and, you know, eaten by fleas for the rest of eternity with no hope of, of ever getting out. That's just, that's, it's, it's a lie. It's a cruel lie based on uh, metaphor. See, it's it's interesting. It's actually very refreshing to hear you say that because I feel like young Stephen, I you know, I, I'm just thinking about like growing up and just being terrified of going to hell. Yeah. But also like, you know, I don't know if you ever experienced the um, very dramatic um, things that people would put on. I, I, I went to a Christian music school down in the South and we were invited to go to this church and they was like, you're on an airplane and then you crash. And they had this giant yeah, airplane yeah, crash yeah. in the, the yard and you mm -hmm. walk through it and they're like, now you're ghosts and now you get to go to heaven. And it was like awful and horrible and like scary. Wait, and, heaven was horrible? Oh, sorry. Hell. Sorry. <laughs> hell. <laughs> I was like, difference. what? <laughs> they mixed it up, dude. Yeah. They, they were crazy. April Fool's. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hell was really bad and you go to heaven, but then yeah. like your friends went to hell. Like it was just like, kind of like, you know, when did it become 
like this, this, um, I don't know, like scare tactic almost. Right. And to be, that's, I mean, like, I, I still remember like when I was four years old and my, my parents or my mom and my brother, she was reading us a picture Bible and, you know, she turned the page to Jesus's crucifixion and she's basically like, you know, he did this so you don't have to go to hell. Yeah, and then and it like, scares oh, me. No, is that my fault? Right, and it, but I, also yeah, it was like yeah. terrifying death. And I was yeah. like, well, I don't want that. I want Jesus to save me from that. Right, right. and it, it, you're a child, so you know. Um, but it's like it's almost like, well, you know, if you don't want to go to hell, you gotta accept Jesus. When did it become like a scare tactic? Because I don't think it was always like that. I do like the idea of like you were saying, like there are some things in the Bible that you're not supposed to take literally. Yeah, and I think a lot of people presume that literally is more faithful, right? Mm. It's almost like they think the the closer it is to actual science, the more real it is. And if that's what was intended by the original speakers and writers, then maybe we could say that, but it wasn't. If you look at how these things function and if you study those languages in which they were spoken and written, it's it's just so rich with metaphor and mm-hmm. multiple meanings. And every word in the book of Job, for instance, has multiple meanings. And, and, and so one of those words might have three different meanings in Hebrew. And the poet, because the whole book is really a poem, the poet that wrote Job intended all three, right? Mm. You're supposed to read it and say, look at this, look at this prism scattering meaning. And it can mean all these different things. Like for instance, Job's wife, when he's having his big troubles, uh, goes, curse God and die. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? She's yeah. like, Are you still believe in cursed God and die? Well, that word curse can also mean bless. Mm-hmm. It's a funny thing like flammable and inflammable, right? Sometimes a word can mean its own opposite. Uh, uh, what's the word for that? Contronym. It's a contronym. A word can mean its own opposite sometimes. And so that's intentional by the author of Job to say, well, which did she mean? Curse God and die? And meaning like give up, like cast all of your faith aside and just disappear forever? Or did she mean you've done it? Mm. You did a great job. Good and faithful servant. You're at the finish line. Let it go and cross into paradise forever. Hmm. We don't know what she meant. Right. And the whole book is, is filled with these intentional contronyms that are, you don't know which way to go. However, translate that into English. The contronym in Hebrew is not a contronym in English. You got to choose one or the other. And so this thing, which over here is intentionally fluid and, and amorphous, suddenly becomes a cube over on this side. Boom. Hmm. One meaning, static, stuck forever. Hmm. And I think a lot of people think that's better. They sure. think the Bible, you've probably heard it said, considering some of the circles you've referred to, Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Oh, you ever heard that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's bullshit. Don't believe it. Because <laughs> <laughs> that implies that it has all the answers. It doesn't. It has a ton of questions. It has wonderful, mm. wonderful questions, but it does not have all the answers. And I think people try to sell it as a product that says, we've got all your answers. We've got it all put together. If you just join our church, be part of what we're doing here, you can too, and you can have it just right. I don't think those people are intending harm. I don't think they're bad people. I think they're kind of expressing their own internal desire. They want things to be all settled. Mm -hmm. They want to know they have the answers. They want to help you. They see you in your own life with some issues sometimes, not you in particular, but you know, they see people out there struggling and they're like, we'll help you. Look what we have. We have this thing that we think is really great. Come join, you know? And so I think their intentions are good, but they haven't learned how to properly read the scripture and how to properly live their faith in a way that is really based on love 
that's mm. really based on following the love of Jesus instead of following what they think is an instruction book. Mm. It, it it it's funny because like I think when I was a teenager and Rob Bell came out with uh, love, love wins. wins, yeah, yeah. And I love that book because it spoke to me, yep. right? And it's very similar to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like saying like, um, and I, I, it's been so long and I was like 15 years old, but like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm paraphrasing, but it was a basically like God doesn't judge people and he doesn't send people to hell. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Well, I think bur- Rob Bell knew his circles and he hedged his bets and he said, what if God doesn't do this? Like he phrased it all as questions because he knew that the 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 kind of faith community he was in would kick him right out if he right. said it out right. Turns out they kicked him out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so he bad bet. Him. Yeah. I I well I remember it because I mean Sunday school we watched Numa videos. Oh yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden he comes out with uh Love Wins and and is saying stuff that I'm like for the first time I'm like hearing this and I'm like, oh my goodness, like mm-hmm. this makes sense to me. This is the first time. And all of a sudden it's like, nope, he's a heretic. Don't listen right, to him. Right. It's like, whoa, that's the first time I'm like co- like connecting it's with this. Sense. Right. It's making sense. And it, it's like in I keep saying this, it's refreshing to hear this stuff because it's like so much so of like back in the day, uh, like I, I look back at it and I'm just like, oh, what was I thinking? Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think a lot of people maybe are that same way, too. And it's just like, have you heard the the word uh, deconstructing? Yes. In regard to faith. Um, yeah. That's really uh, a huge movement right now. I think it's beautiful and really good and important. Right. But I think it also gets to the heart of why they tried to shut down Rob Bell because they had constructed these forms and formats that gave them centrality, gave them power, gave them the ability to say which parts of scripture we're going to elevate as as the important ones to live our life by, right? Like mm-hmm. they're very happy to utilize a couple of passages of scripture to try to for example, keep women out of the pulpit or keep gay people from getting married. Right. So they lift up a couple little tidbits to try to make that happen. But you say to them, well, what about the hundreds of passages that say we have to welcome the immigrant? And they're like, no, not that one. Right. But that, that's an, pick, you pick, that's pick and yeah. choose, right. pick and yeah. choose. Yeah. And when Rob Bell starts asking big questions like that and people start deconstructing, it's their edifice that's being deconstructed and they don't like that. People, right. people protect their power. So it, it's interesting. So deconstructing is a big thing and it, there's still, I mean, you know, I grew up evangelical Christian, um, and there's still like a lot of guilt and shame that I feel about some of that stuff. I, I mean, it's okay. And I thank you for saying that, but it's like, there's still like, I, you know, my therapist was like, you need to probably work through some of that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, actually, That's wow. That's why I, I hired you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, help me. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to be helping me, dude. Uh, but like, <laughs> no, it's just, it's interesting how that stuff, it, it, it kind of builds, 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 builds. And then it's the deconstructing. I almost kind of like, I get the word mm-hmm. and I also get the visual. I always say like, um, you know, when I was 23, that was when I tore down the wall of my Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it was like, I, I spent, you know, 23 years building up this wall and building up the blocks of my religion and leading worship and speaking and like really like, okay, I'm going to, this is, this is my path. Yeah. And all of a sudden 23 happened and I, you know, fell into depression, broke all, all, everything down. So mm. deconstructing sort of to a point, but I always say I broke it down yeah. and then I built up some of the blocks, but I couldn't build the whole wall back. And so that's, yeah. that's kind of like, 
I feel like people are there. So there is a de- deconstruction movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when like people are like, you know, the guilt and the shame and it still hangs on to like, you know, this is we're 10 plus years later mm-hmm. and it's like, it's still there. And so I'm kind of curious of the, um, uh, just like, how do you deal with people that have deconstructed mm-hmm. and ha- are still feeling animosity towards the church? And how do you deal with that? Like what nine times out of 10, their animosity is a hundred percent deserved. And so I say to them, you're pissed off at the church. Good. You should be based on what you're telling me happened to you. You have every right to be mad and you just need to allow that emotion to, to be inside of you in whatever way is right for you. Now, no one should ever hold on to their anger forever, right? That becomes Mm -hmm. a burden on, on themselves. But many people, and I don't know your background, I'm not trying to say this is you, many people legitimately experienced spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. And just like if they had suffered verbal abuse or physical abuse, I would never tell them, well, rush past the anger part. Just come back to the happy side. Right? Yeah. It, it takes time and there's a process yeah. and there's healing and there's reconciliation. And it's not all in a straight line. It circles back on itself and you have ups and downs and backs and forths. And so if someone is coming to me and saying uh, it, how it often expresses itself. And our church has sort of become a sanctuary for a lot of people who are coming from other, much more strict backgrounds. And they will often say, I was raised in such and such a tradition, and I couldn't take their stance on gay people, or I couldn't take their misogyny. And one of the biggest ones recently is I couldn't take the Trump years. Mm. I couldn't watch my family and my friends support this guy and all that he was doing and all the harm he was causing, and then slap the name of Jesus on top of that that was the breaking point. Mm. So they're saying, I can no longer handle all those structures. They're terrible, but there's still something beautiful in there. There's Mm. still a part of that that's in me. And I don't know what to do with that, but I don't want it to die. I want to nourish this something. And I don't even have the words for it anymore because all the vocabulary I've attached to this part of myself are tainted by those structures. They've co-opted all these things. And if you say to someone, I'm a person of faith, there's a ton of baggage that's already on that word. And so yeah. here they find themselves with these feelings, but no words for them. And so we, sometimes I just, I just remind them you have a soul and it's hungry and let's see what we can feed you. Interesting. Mm. I like, love that. that. I love that. That was one thing we, we, we talked about on messenger a little bit is like, walk us through kind of like your day to day job as yeah. what you do. Because I mean, you kind of have, you wear a lot of hats, I'm sure, during uh, a day. And I don't then- know if it shows up uh, on the camera here. My skull is abnormally large. My whole family, we have big noggins. <laughs> I never wear hats. I can't find a hat that fits me. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm really upset about it. I don't appreciate you laughing. They make extra large hats now. <laughs> yeah, you suck. You I'm going to get you a hat. If I was okay. a cowboy, it would be a 20 gallon. Yeah, hat. 20. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's beautiful. We talked a little bit before that I do have ADHD, not so much the H, but a lot of ADD. I'm all over the place. I cannot sit still at a desk for long. I am, I am driven mad by routine and I am so lucky. I've ended up in a job where no two days are the same one after the other. Mm. Some days I'm lucky enough that I spend all day reading and studying and watching videos and listening to podcasts to help prepare a lesson or a sermon. Right. And that's really fun because I can chase uh, subjects around curiosity rabbit holes all day long and yeah. come out with these, like we're coming up on the uh, 1st of October on the anniversary of the discovery of the fact that galaxies exist. 
Oh, wow. Right? So in, in the course of one night to the to the next, Edwin Hubble, uh, after whom the telescope is named, he, he was looking at Andromeda, which up to that point, they thought was just a cloud inside our own galaxy. They didn't even have a word for galaxy, I don't think, just inside our own neighborhood. And then he looked inside, he recognized, wait a minute, that's a, that's a pulsar, like, spinning around in there. And he was like, that's a whole extra thing. So in one night, the universe expanded to, like, the millionth power. And just because this guy took the time just to really look at it with the new technology. So I, I spent a good couple hours just researching that stuff the other day because it was interesting to me in the day. I don't know how, but someday that's going to pop into a sermon, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so here's where I need to dial back my, my giddiness because I don't want to be disrespectful. I'll be doing that one day, reading and all that stuff is super important. But then right in the middle of it, I might get called into the hospital mm. because someone I love dearly is dying. Right. And it's a member of my church. Perhaps they're 100 years old. Perhaps they're 20. And we've experienced both. And they're both tragic in their own way. And so it, while I appreciate the change, I don't want to make it sound like I'm celebrating, like, you know, I'm getting out of the office. It's not that at all. But it's it's it feels like being called forward into the meaningful moment for which I've been prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the next day it's a wedding, which is all celebratory and fun and happy. And then a baptism where I'm holding the baby and, and doing that and the family's all celebrating. And um, then the next day I'm at an assembly meeting and they're calling me Satan and that's hilarious. And then there's all these things going on that every single day it's something different. Hmm. Who's so calling you Satan at the assembly meeting? Well, I could, I, could, I, was saying, <laughs> I could probably guess. It's it's on their video archive. I could yeah. probably Whenever, guess when I show up to talk about equal rights. Right, right, right. that's one crowd. But I'm also involved in homelessness services, and we were involved in a land purchase for a hotel to make this hotel into permanent housing mm -hmm. for people who are homeless. And uh, people were just in my face, like you're just in this for the money, blah blah blah. Wow. I swear, I made zero dollars on that whole deal. I mean, right. it's not like none of that belongs to us. Um, but yeah, people are really happy to to point fingers. Yeah, for it's sure. Fun. I, I would imagine people. Well, and this is something too. I was kind of curious about. I'm sure you get pointed fingers a lot because. Like the stuff that you're talking about to us about mm -hmm. love and about heaven and hell and et cetera, et cetera. It's like it doesn't go along with what we're used to hearing from right, churches. Right. And so I would imagine what is the reception from like other, you know, churches or well, pastors? That's the thing. The most vitriolic, horrible stuff that I've received, you know, the hate mail and the phone calls and the in my face finger wagging has only come from conservative Christians. Uh, never once from an atheist, never once from a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Jew, never once from a liberal Christian. Hmm. It's only been one small sliver of the religious landscape, and it's not even the majority of the religious landscape. It's one sliver of it that has decided to follow a Machiavellian approach that the end justifies the means, and we can treat this guy like shit because in the long run, it gets this agenda forward, right? Mm. And that's very much the, the, the Trump support mentality. They're like, well, there's no way we can really convince ourselves or the world that this is a good guy, but he's going to get the justices in place that we want to put this agenda forward that we think is what right. the scripture commands us to do. So they think they're behaving faithfully. Uh, I just think they're misguided. Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, of course, you know, I've had uh, talks with family members and loved ones who voted for Trump. And I think it's like, like, I don't know, how does someone, how do you or, you know, advise someone to approach that person with love? Because I think for, 
for me and I'm assuming other people too, I don't know about you, but like and the first I don't thing love is, anybody. <laughs> first, the first thing is to be like, I think we need to unpack that. Yeah. <laughs> nope, I'm scarred. We're switching okay. gears here now. <laughs> uh, it's like the first thing when it's like, um, you know, because Trump is very, you know, hot right now. It's a very hot topic. Um, and it's like the first thing that might comes to mind when I'm talking to someone, I'm just like anger immediately. Yeah. Like, oh, why? Mm-hmm. But like how... And and this can go for not just anything about, you know, it doesn't have to be political. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. How do you approach people with love? And how do you do it daily? How do you do it every day? And also there, and this is another question is like, you said you were like, you know, at someone's bedside in the hospital, but the next day you were at a a wedding. Like, whew. It's whiplash. It is totally whiplash. It's like, yeah. Love. Sometimes in the same day. It is sometimes in the same day that I am at a, hospice bedside and then to a wedding. Right. It's rare, but it does happen. Whew. There was a day when my wife worked for Governor Walker's administration. And during the campaign, there was a fundraiser that I went to after work and um, to, to join in with her. And, you know, those events have some hoity-toity like VIPs, so to speak. And on the way that I was wearing this collar and on the way there, uh, there were some homeless people on the corner and they stopped me and asked me to pray with them. I'm like, yeah, of course. And so I, I'm praying with them. I turned the corner, you know, two doors down and I'm there with the governor. And I, I said, I need to step back outside for a minute because my brain isn't ready. You yeah. know, I haven't been able to switch gears yet and it's going to take some time to get there. Um, so yeah, that whiplash is a real part of it. A part of it's practice. You get better, the more you do it. Yeah. Um, a more important, I would say is, um, and this is aspirational, mind you, I fail at this a lot, but for both, how do you love people when they're being terrible to you? How do you maintain in the midst of that whiplash also it's the same answer daily prayer um having a sense of self and internal balance and sure-footedness of what i do and don't believe mm. and so that takes work it takes a lot of reading it takes a lot of prayer it takes a lot of um trusted people that you can measure yourself by that, that that's the wrong way to say it for example, my wife and I talk about all this stuff. It's amazing that my wife knows this work as well as I do, right? Mm, and so that's cool. Uh, my sermon last week, something went wrong, and I had to improvise the whole second half of the sermon. And she wasn't there. She watched it later online, and she was like, "That joke you made, it, that wasn't written down, was it?" And I was like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> I know. As soon as I said it, I said to myself, "I hope she doesn't watch this later." <laughs> it was so bad. And so yeah, I was like, if I had actually uh, an outline in front of me, I never would have made that joke. Um, I lost track of what I'm saying, but but all that aspirational stuff has to do with those daily disciplines of knowing who you are. If you're out there for ambition, for the spotlight, for the money, if you're out there going for the wrong intent, you're going to get off balance. You're going to say and do the wrong thing. Mm. But if you're if you're always coming back to that internal center of love, that helps you do the loving thing. Now, we all fail at that still. And so sometimes someone will say something and I'll just shoot back and I'm... I'm a little bit proud and a lot ashamed that I am really good at cutting people down verbally. Mm. I can just... That's a good skill. I mean, full yeah. in high school. Do it to Kyle. Do it to Kyle. No, <laughs> no, no. Just, kidding. just kidding. I'm not. Um, it, 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 I'm ready. So I try to remember... Uh, I try to remember who we're supposed to be. And I try to remember in Matthew 25, Jesus says, whenever you fed the hunger, you fed me. Whenever you visited the prisoner, you visited me. And to me, that means whenever you just trounced somebody verbally, you trounced me, right? Mm-hmm. And so I see Jesus in each of you and try to remember you're, you have the spark of the divine inside of yourself. And I love you just because 
you're you. Mm. And I'm drawing on language now from my hero in the faith, which is Mr. Rogers. He also was an ordained Presbyterian minister. Right. Oh. And so he's part of my pack and we wield that like our mighty sector of power. Did you know Mr. Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian? <laughs> yeah. like and everyone is so Every proud. conversation, yeah. I would just be weaving that in. <laughs> yeah. We weren't even talking about anything, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we're talking about prize? football. Yeah. yeah. I'm ready to take your order. You know, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> yeah. The changing That's of cool. the shoes. Yeah. Oh. But you try to remember to be that guy. Yeah. And it's true. Someone's yelling at me now and I could yell back and the whole thing falls to pieces. Right. Or you just take your time, take take the hits at first, and eventually, little by little, things get a lot better. Oof. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes it just stays straight, and you're like, well, that was a bad day, and it's yeah. time for a scotch. So I am curious. You do say, like, um, you know, some of the stuff, like, in the Bible is, you, you know, literal. Some of the stuff is myth, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's a good point. Words, yeah. The poems, mm-hmm. right? Um, what it, When it comes to God, right, I think, you know, and I can only speak for myself, but maybe you're in this too, is like uh, my vision of God growing up and still to this day, I still, when I hear God, I think uh-huh. man in the sky. Okay. So what is, mm. I'm curious. That's what is Michelangelo's fault. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious. What is your definition? When you say God, when you say like, I see Jesus in you, Yeah. what are you referring to? What is your definition? Here's where the artist in me comes out. I I refuse to define it. I think mm. defining it diminishes it. If I were to have to define it, I would say love. And that's straight out of scripture too. God is love. Not God loves or God has love, but God is love. God and love are one and the same. And so if ever I'm interpreting my faith or being inspired to take action because of my faith and it leads to things that are not love, then I'm wrong. And I backtrack it and you try again. Mm. Um, so if I were to find God, that's what it would be. When I was three, I thought God was um, Fred the Fireman from my big book of occupations. Yeah. <laughs> no idea why, but that was God to me for <laughs> quite a while. I would have joined that religion. All right, we're all going to go worship Fred. <laughs> and over time that changed. And then for a while, it was the big bearded guy from the Michelangelo ceiling. And then that left. And then it was, you know, the pulsating orb of light from a sci-fi movie and I'd say they're all right and they're all wrong. And I'm fine with that. I, it's not one static thing. It's too big for that. It's mm. too big for our words and our concepts. Uh, we don't exactly know what it is. It's not, it's not gendered. It's not human. It's, it's not constrainable. Mm. Yeah. It's, I, we want to just put it as the big guy in the sky. Cause that's something we can understand pretty easily. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing that I always kind of, that I've been dealing with and kind of like going back in my head because I've been going through this and we've talked about it, the Tim Keller, the questioning reason, Christianity. Okay. Reason uh, for God? No, it's it's this podcast series where, you know, oh. he, he invites you to kind of ask your questions and I will answer them ab- about why there is no God or whatever it is. So it's kind of a atheist asking him questions. Okay. And it's been very informational in terms of stuff that I'm like, okay, like, because I'm trying to like find a path back to religion in some regards, because I feel like there's something missing um, in my life to some extent. And, and I always come back to like, somebody like you is like, why, why aren't we just teaching people to be like good people Mm -hmm. without like, forget God and forget heaven, hell and being saved. Like, why don't we just teach people to be good people, honest, help your neighbor, all of these, 
these philosophies that I think make a good person, but like what, where does God come into that stuff? Like, why do a, we? A lot of places do focus primarily on that. Um, uh, the evangelical background tries to put all of theology on this crux of, quote unquote, accepting Jesus into your heart as your right. personal Lord and Savior. That's right. not in the Bible. That's that's right. not a passage. The sinner's prayer is not in there? No, it's not. It's I know. Really, yeah, I know. And so um, <laughs> they're trying to make things fit into that structure for whatever reasons, but other churches do it different ways. And so they they do focus largely on the doing, on mm -hmm. the action. My church, I mentioned Matthew 25. We are part of a community called Matthew 25 Churches. We focus on feeding the hungry, visiting the prisoner, although right now we haven't gotten that part up and running yet because it's a complicated thing. Um, but all those ways of humbly serving our neighbors and faraway people in need, we're focusing on that. Sure. And you ask in the question there, then why the God part? Where does the God part come in? I'll refer back to that thing that I said before about this sense that I've always just had of yeah. God being there. I don't, I don't feel the need to convince either of you that God exists or God is good. All I can do is bear witness to what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, all I can do is tell you there have been times in my life where God's presence was here, enveloping me with comfort and care and love. And it was a time when I was previously at my lowest and felt broken and like there is no hope. And I was buoyed, it carried along as if by a current in a river to say, you're not alone. You're going to be okay. Um, similarly, there are times when I've been up on the mountaintop, literally here, you know, and um, filled with awe and wonder. And I feel God's presence next to me saying, right, isn't it something? You know, it's, it's, a, it's an experience that I've had. And I like to share that experience with people just as much as, you know, the, the, the Socrates parable of the cave, right? Where you leave and you see all this world and you go back and tell the people in the cave, there's this, all this stuff out there and they don't believe you. Sure. All they've seen is the shadows coming through from the mouth of the cave and like, now this is our reality. I'd like to come back and tell people there's this extraordinary way of interacting with the world through the sensory life of the soul mm -hmm. and through the, the life of the mind that goes through your faith. It's an incredible deepening and saturation of the colors we experience. Mm. Uh, did you ever watch those videos of colorblind people that get those glasses? For the oh, yeah. Time and they're like, what the fuck? That's what purple is? Yeah. And they're like amazed by purple. I, I have used those in my sermons. I think that is what it's like to really get into a life of faith. Your colors suddenly appear that you never knew your eyes could see before. Mm. Interesting. And so I like to share that with people. Now, if you came into my church and said, nah, I don't want the Jesus stuff. I just want to join in with people who are helping at the food bank. I said, yeah. great, man, join us. Come on along. You don't have to, I don't give you a creed that you have to ascribe to. Gotcha. Like now, that. if you wanted to be like on our leadership board, that makes right. all the decisions. A little different. <laughs> There's, there are some theological things we hold to, right? Yeah. And like I said before, if you're going to be in there spouting off hatred toward any given communities, I'll show you the door. Right. But in terms of if you, if you just come in and say, I don't know what I believe, I might be a Christian and I might not be a Christian at all. Can I still be in your church? I'd be like, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. On in. I am, I'm curious. So you just touched on it and we touched on it in the beginning too, the whole LGBTQIA plus. Did I say that right? That's becoming that right? so many things. Yeah. I was saying, <laughs> that's a, it's a mouthful. Um, but there's a local church that I work with, ACF, Eagle River. And I know that some of the pastors there, when 2020 happened, Black Lives Matter movement happened, mm -hmm. you know, they took to social media and like, we're like, hey, we understand this is actually like, you know, minorities suffer. 
yeah. and we need to help them. And this is actually an okay thing. Mm-hmm. Now, it wasn't like being like, hey, the whole church backs this. It was like, this is actually like, it can be a good movement. Right. Um, and, oh man, the, the, the pitchforks, you yeah. know, to use that came out and yep. people left in droves mm-hmm. and it bothered me so much. And I was like, well, just another reason why I don't want to go to church. And, but like, for you to be um, a reverend, but also like a leader of the church and to back these, you know, specifically the LGBTQIA+. Mm-hmm. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but like, you know, I don't, I don't know where you're standing on everything else, but I was like, why? What, 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 what is something that like, you know, as a man of faith to take that road yeah. that's not really... I don't know. You don't popular. see that. Yeah, popular. In the church. I mean. Yes, well, in the is. church. But that's the thing. Uh, one of the things that more progressive churches suffer from is we're terrible, terrible, terrible at PR. And the conservative <laughs> church is great at it. Man, the conservative church loves branding and loves messaging and being all together on the same page. And it's real easy for them to go up and say, God hates gays. And then they all fall behind it. Whereas on the liberal side, we're like, God loves gays. And they're like, no, you know what we should say? God loves LGBTQ. And then someone else goes, no, they should add in the IA+. And right. we, we all are over here like bonking into each other and falling down while they've got a coherent message. Mm. And so when you say it's not popular in the church, it actually is the majority of people in the church are pro-LGBTQ. Hmm. It's a minority that is opposed to it. It's just, it's become accepted because they're so good at influencing politics. It's become the the pop culture understanding that the broader faith community, the broader church is anti, but it's not, I mean, all the polls are showing the vast majority. It's, it's something up around 65, 70% of mm. Christians are pro LGBTQ equality and inclusion and leadership in the church and gay marriage, all those things. Do you throw those stats out on uh, social media when it kind of turns to like, you know, you're part of the church, you don't support us, not necessarily you, but you know, <laughs> kind of the one one size fits all like you know you're a christian yeah. you probably don't support right. what i mm-hmm. am or and so i mean that's refreshing to hear it's surprising yeah. because i mean like you just said the messaging does not quite fit what i'm used to hearing and so right. that's interesting that that probably should be out there more yeah. in terms of yep I people think knowing that and that's support. why it's why i wear the collar when i go to the assembly meetings and i'm speaking in favor of these things it carries yeah. more weight for a lot of people who have been sent there by their churches with the opposite message. And it might be the first time in their life that they see a pastor saying the other thing. And not just the people who are vocal about it, there just might be a gay kid in the audience that thinks, well, apparently Jesus hates me. Hmm. And that kid might not be talking. No one knows they're even there. Right. But that kid sees me stand up and says, God loves gay people. God made gay people gay. And that's a beautiful thing. Be who you are. That little kid sitting in the back suddenly has a reason to think that they are created beautiful. Hmm. Is there, there uh, I want to say something real quick. There, there's something that comes to mind because I thank you for saying all that. Um, but you know, I think maybe help someone listening right now or watching on youtube.com slash go fix still podcast. Um, basically, so I grew up and there was, we've talked about this actually, this phrase, um, love the person, hate the sin. Love the sinner, hate the sin. This is what they say. Yes. I fucking hate that. Yeah, okay. It's so bad. I shouldn't use the word hate, but I hate it because it says hate. Why do you have to hate anything? Yeah. Right? First of all, you don't have to include hate as part of what you're doing. If expressing your side's approach to stuff to stuff includes the word hate, rework it, man. You don't need that in there. Yeah. Just love. 
just just that first word is really good. And that whole sentence, the first word, I love it. Love. Just and then cut it off right there. I but anti-love. Yeah. But it also goes in with the incorrect presumption that being gay is a sin. Mm-hmm. And when so it's in that context. Now, if you're talking about someone who went out there and intentionally murdered somebody, right? If you're talking about Charles Manson, okay. I do, I, I hate that sin, right? That makes right. sense. I can understand why that's so emotionally powerful that we need to put a stop to that. And we can still love the human and say, this guy was broken in some fundamental ways and we'll try to love him as best we can while also recognizing that his act was an atrocity. Are we really going to say that about two guys that kiss each other? Mm. That's ridiculous to put that in the context of hatred. And then they say, oh, but scripture says, one, two, three, four, five, passages in scripture, right? They're called the clobber verses because churches like to clobber people with them. But if you actually study them, none of them apply to what we're talking about when we talk about gay people today. It's simply bad reading. It's bad reading comprehension. It's a shallow reading of scripture. It's a lack of understanding of how to properly read scripture. And they're just flat out wrong. So what would you say to someone who reads that scripture? Because, and this is something too, you know, you can, you know, everybody can twist a scripture to say what they want it to say to mm-hmm. a point, right? Like you were saying, like, it can be, you know, um, a love, like the Job uh, example, mm-hmm. you know, it could be blessed or it could be cursed, you right, know? Right. So people can use it and twist it to the way they want it to use. And so some say someone like comes up and is like, no, I know for a fact, like, this is what it means. And like, this is, you know, why gay people are bad. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you basically, I don't know. I mean, you you said you don't like try to bring people onto your side, but basically like, you know, this is another way of like showing love to someone who you're like, (laughs) right. Well, within you've both encountered me on the social media scene. And so sometimes it's in a public post by someone who says something like, yeah, everybody's watching too. It's like, what's he going to do? That's the thing. We we know that, I'm not going to convince the guy who is saying like Black Lives Matter is a terrible thing, right? Right. I'm not going to change his mind, but there's a hundred people reading our comments back and forth, Mm. right? And so, A, they're going to see a pastor doing something. So if I just start swearing at him and pushing, being a jerk and, you know, trying to cut him up verbally, they're going to see that and go, well, this guy's a jerk too, Mm -hmm. right? Now we see two jerks being jerks at each other. That doesn't bring anyone closer to it's fun to watch faith matters. it really is <laughs> i gotta say uh, however they might also say here's a pastor that actually has reasons and and educated reasons to say that the black lives matter movement is a good thing and is a thing that our faith groups should be supporting mm-hmm. whatever the issue you know black lives matter or should we have mask and vaccine requirements oh or i'm sure that was a hot topic oh man i took a lot of bruises on that one <laughs> um all those things i i am always cognizant that i'm not necessarily trying to convince the person that i'm arguing with i am trying to create an inroad for all the witnesses oh i love the way of looking and at i that. fail a lot please understand i fail a lot yeah i just end up you know slapping somebody, you know, verbally. And then I'm like, oh, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have, I gotta yeah. go on a hiatus. But it was fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, you, you said, you've, you've said something a couple times. Um, and I mean, realistically, when, when the scriptures originally, not originally came out, but essentially when people started getting their hands on them, only religious leaders could essentially read them because most Often, people were yeah. mm-hmm. uh, illiterate. Sure. 
And so, and also books weren't mass produced, right? So, like you got to scroll. That's and hard so, to send around, mm-hmm. right? And so it was like you you kind of look at that time period, and you're like, well, there was a a lack of access for most people to right. to understand religion, mm-hmm. and you were getting it through somebody that may or may not be corrupt, mm-hmm. may or may not be giving you the right message. And nowadays, we have access to all of it. We can all generally read, mm-hmm. but what right. you're still saying is we're interpreting it most of the time incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, how do we, how do we win? Because like, if most people are, <laughs> if I knew that, I how do we win? <laughs> because I'm just yeah. like, you know, how many scriptures have I, I, I mean, I've read the Bible. Uh, I have to imagine several times throughout my life. And it's like, how many scriptures am I, you know, thinking I'm smart enough to understand. But at the end of the day, y- you telling me that, you know, the original scripture has this many words that can mean so many different things. Yeah. And it's like, it kind of gets down to the end. It's like, you need somebody in theory to kind of explain some things right. to you. Well, just like with COVID, we, were t- we alluded to a minute ago, expertise matters, right? And so we're going to have to be very careful who we listen to when it comes to a topic that requires deep study, which in my opinion, religion and faith and theology require deep study to find your way forward. And so like with COVID, we're like, let's listen to the people that actually have a degree in these things. I would say that's one of your starting points is to go for people who have an actual accredited education on these topics. Now, that's not to say everyone with an education agrees on these things. They sure. don't, you know, yeah. and on various things, there's greater or less amounts of disagreement. Um, and so that's going to always take some questioning. And that's that's how we evolve. Mm-hmm. You know, we continue evolving as a species, not just physically, but also spiritually. And some things that we took for granted a thousand years ago are just completely cast out now because we've we've evolved and come along. We've gotten somewhat better in some ways. And so one of the ways we evolved is by getting things wrong frequently. And then we look back and say, oh, okay, those 10 things that we did, these two make sense. Let's keep Mm -hmm. those going. And it takes a lot of discussion, a lot of back and forth, a lot of humility on the part of leaders to say I was wrong, and a lot of courage on the parts of the lay people to say, wait a minute, pastor, you said this today, but that yesterday, or wait a minute, you're saying something now, but that's going to lead a lot of teenage kids to feel suicidal. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you... How dare you, <laughs> you right. know, to say that to the leaders that are doing things that are causing harm in the world? Mm. It's a long and dirty process. Yeah, because I, I think about like giving somebody the Bible, mm. somebody that you're not going to have a further discussion with and maybe is is curious in who knows in what way, and they read the Bible. And I mean, you come across stories of, I mean, there's rape, war, yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, genocide. It's not it, fit for children. <laughs> right, and yeah. so you you can put this in the wrong person's hands and, I mean, create somebody that probably will end up not receiving a message of love. Right. And that's at the same time, you can give it to somebody else and they can read Proverbs and be like, wow, this is some really good information in here, even applicable today. And so it's like, it almost seems dangerous to just be like, here's the Bible. The Bible. Become a Christian. You don't give a 10-year-old kid keys to a car and be like, here you go, go figure it out. Yeah, no, they're going to kill somebody, probably also themselves, if you just let that happen. You give them hour after hour after hour of careful instruction. That's that's wild because I feel like I've always been raised as like kids need to be reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and I mean, mm-hmm. n- not even with guidance. I mean, right. just give them the Bible yep. and and read this thing, and then as well, soon as you start asking questions about like, so there was Adam and Eve, and they had sons. And wait, how did and then how hey, the, right? How did the along? Yeah, how yeah. the world? Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
yeah. but you know, it's like Don't it's, ask. it's a lot Don't of tell. there's a lot of questions in there. I think I, yeah. I remember in church having the uncomfortable. Well, I think the desire to just give a kid a Bible comes from really a lot of just current society and what we've even accidentally we've been raised to believe is is the good depiction of a family, right? Oh, yeah. look at them. There's, you know, the the mom and the dad and the two kids, one of each gender, and they're reading the Bible together. Good success, right? Yep. But that that comes from like a 1950s ad agency. That's sure. not real. That's not right. how the world actually works. And that's not how the Bible works. No, I would, we didn't give our kids the Bible and say, just read it. There were parts that we said, don't read that. The Noah's Ark story, are you serious? That's the worst. And they pranked it like it's a kid's story because it's got animals in it. But no, God murders everybody. everybody. And yeah. There you go, kids. Good night. Have a good night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hope God doesn't murder you tonight <laughs> with a flood. Yeah. And then the repopulation that happens yeah, after that. Yeah. And, right. And yeah. mathematically is crazy. I do remember <laughs> exactly. I do remember that that story scarring me. Yeah. Mostly because I saw like a a play. And they were you know, Noah's Ark, and it was like this grand play. But then I remember when they closed the door when the flood was happening, and then all of a sudden, like people are shouting and right. screaming. Let me in. And I'm like, oh, messed up. They didn't talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I was like, oh boy, oh, he's yeah. ruthless. When you start thinking about a lot of stuff, yeah, it gets a, uh, I think it's pretty dark in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, you did say something that I do want to just ask you about is when talking about God and and being able to talk about like this presence of of being able to s- somewhat see him or see him in people or feel him around you and 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 use kind of those that wording mm-hmm. we had a tarot card reader on I a couple to that episode yeah. right oh, and so good. what would you, you say to somebody like that that says I have a spiritual gift or I have a draw to be in tune with spiritual spirituality mm-hmm. and I think I can connect with people on different levels and, and, and just very, I don't want to say wooey stuff, but like no, it's me. a lot yeah. of people will say that. Yeah. And so how do you, when you hear what you're saying and you hear what they say, like, how do you believe that? Or is there a yeah, difference I, between I, the two? I try to start by asking myself to, well, by telling myself to remember how ridiculous my beliefs sound. Sure. Right. Here's this Jewish carpenter from a thousand, uh, two thousand years ago who was murdered by the state and rose from the dead. Oh, sure. That's logical. Right. Right. I mean, nothing about how I experience and express all that sounds any more or less valid than what Tesha was saying. And listening to what she said, I, I was thinking, you know, I'll bet she could offer just as much wisdom and beautiful guidance if she had forgotten her cards that day. Right, yeah. right. By talking to you and kind of intuitively uh, hearing what you're saying and getting exactly. sense from things, I'll bet you her own gifts of wisdom and intelligence would have provided a lot of good too. And if she's found a structure to to really channel those things in a positive mm-hmm. way, man, more power to you. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think about that sometimes because I feel like whenever you hear somebody that's like, you know, God is speaking through me or I have a connection to God, there's not a lot of I mean, especially if you've been raised religious, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. But then we'll hear about something that's not necessarily religious-based that's kind of like talk, uh, you know, talking to well, spirits say, yeah, or we'll, anything. We'll, we'll stop. I, well, yeah, we'll stop. I don't want to, like, insult, the, but, like, it's it's I don't know different. If that's insulting. It is, and it, and it can be silly. It can seem silly from the yeah. outside. And I, I want to – you guys should say hi to my mom, Susan, in upstate New York. Please. Hey, Susan. Susan, hello. Yeah. Thank you for listening or also, watching. Also an ordained minister, twice ordained, uh, wow. I'm, and I'm sorry, twice 
excommunicated. I was going to say, she got yeah. field excommunicated. Twice yeah. excommunicated from Twice. the Catholic Church. Wild. She got recommunicated down the road. Then she got ordained as a Protestant minister and got, got the boot again. So, but <laughs> we tease her and we say that the music she listens to in her circle of friends are the ancient fire power chant women. Oh. And, and the thing you're saying, woo woo, she totally laughs along with us. She's like, yeah, you know, I got my crystals hanging up in my little prayer garden with some statues and candles in it. And it looks woo woo on the outside. Right. We also recognize how it led her to be a spiritual guide in our community for 50 years. And people come to her and they know that they're going to be cared for. So we can call it woo-woo if you want. We can tease her by calling it ancient fire power chant. But also we recognize, yeah, There's she, some power she did real good mm. in our town, right? I love that. So, um, and then I look at how I'm dressed right now with this collar on. The only reason this doesn't look exceptionally stupid is because we're used to it. Yeah. Sure. Right. And uh, my wife is like, I'm never going to wear one of those again. Since she's ordained minister. She just refuses to wear a collar because she just doesn't care for it. So why do you wear it? Well, like I said, what, what I is the, the reason for it too? When I go to the assembly meeting, for example, it plays a part because then people recognize what I'm representing. Mm. I came here, here. today. Yeah, you know? well, kind of, yeah. And I had a meeting today before this in which I was meeting with a community that wanted, that I was in this role, you know, and it just kind of helped to understand where I am in that conversation um, at a wedding or a funeral where there's a hundred people that I don't know. Right. They know who to ask when they need something, right? And so there's a lot of just real practical reasons for it. Just yeah. like it can spot you in the crowd. Yeah. And, and just what's what's the history out. behind it? Like, I mean, obviously there has to be I it, used to some know this signal. And I don't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember. And one thing I've always wondered about that is is like you get like a yearly catalog that has like the freshest reverend wear <laughs> in it kind of thing, like an upgraded, what is this technically called? It's called, it's actually super low tech. You know, it just comes right out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I gotta give you one it's just called a collar. There's yeah. a couple of different styles, right? you know, but it's, I don't think I'll put it back on, but it's, there are a couple styles to it. I like this one just cause it's real simple and it doesn't feel like it's choking me quite as much as the other kinds gotcha. do. It was like, I always think about like the company that probably makes those, you know, is it, they're just one company that's yep. like got the, the patent on it. That is <laughs> yeah. like, there are several companies and I just, Nike, go, I just went with what <laughs> Nike. Yeah. It's 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 Coca-Cola stripe across it. Yeah. Uh, that would, I'm taking sponsorships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he sold the collar. That's <laughs> like 49 state brewing. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. You have uh, to say, you have to say, I'm, Hey, everybody, let's go to 49 state brewery after church today. After church today. That <laughs> communion today will be bread, but not wine. Yeah. It's an IPA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. I mean, so, I love that. Well, that's a good question, too. It's like, what is, what's your church's um, stance on that? I know I looked into Presbyterian a, mm -hmm. a little bit in terms of like um, uh, communion and stuff mm -hmm. like that. What is, what's your thoughts on it? What's the purpose of it in terms Volumes of- Volumes written on this. Sure. And, and bear in mind, there's more than one type of Presbyterian. Yeah. So we're Presbyterian Church USA. And then okay. there's also Presbyterian Church in America. And there's, you know- A million differences. Conservative liberal, liberal oh, gotcha. where there's a chasm between us. Okay. Um, but our view of the sacraments in our tradition, we have only two, baptism and the Lord's Supper, aka communion. And those are moments at which we- particularly recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, amidst us, amongst us, between us, within us, mm -hmm. binding us together with one another and to God. Um, now, I took great care to say we recognize and acknowledge that because that's happening right here now with all of us in this room. Uh -huh. We're all bound together right now. 
we take special time to acknowledge it at that moment. So when I'm saying the words of institution, on the night who was betrayed, our Lord took the bread and broke it and blessed it, shared it with his disciples and said, take this, all of you, and eat it. And I'm doing the things as I do it. That's not a magic spell that brings God in. That's not saying, uh, Wingardium Leviosa, yeah. <laughs> and the cup lifts off the table. You know, I don't have any That'd be powers. cool. <laughs> right, yeah, but I have no powers. I can't make the bread and the wine holy. Well, we use juice and we use gluten-free bread because we want everyone to be able to come with no hurdles. Um, all, all that time is, is a time that helps us recognize and appreciate. And mm. so you guys are in music, right? Yeah. You start off your concert with a certain atmosphere and you build it as you go. And it lets people kind of come along in the momentum of the moment. And there's a lot of similarity. And mm. or in a movie where like, you know, the, you the slow burn at the beginning of a movie to draw people in if it's that kind of movie until there's an explosive moment. It's that kind of thing where we're coming together to say, let's set the tone in here. Let's make things um, rhythmically and visually and auditorily. All these things, a lot of churches use smells with the candles and all to, to help us get into that mindset where we recognize that which has been here all along. Mm. And I personally feel that much more palpably on a hike than I do in my own sanctuary at church. But I, I am called to set that table for others. And for some people, that's where they find it. So I prepare that for them. Uh, when it's me looking for that, I take a walk with my kids and my wife and our dogs. And I'm like, boom, God's presence right there. Mm -hmm. I love um, that. To each their own. I think that's a good segue to, to not as deep. I mean, unless you have other questions that you were thinking of. Not at the moment. When I show up for church, I will have some more questions. Yeah. I love it. I encourage people to ask questions in the middle of the sermon. If a hand goes really? up in the sermon, I'm like, yeah, go, go, go. It's so much fun. And sometimes I don't even prepare a sermon. <laughs> yeah. I have them write questions down in a box and I draw them out during the sermon. I answer them. Oh, it's so much fun. I bet that would be and they fun. Just, they know that I'm going to say, I don't know half the time. Right? Sure. <laughs> because right. that's only fair. But yeah, it's it's fun stuff. It gets me out of my usual I love that. patterns. I like that. Uh, demon possession. No, yeah, I'm that's just what kidding. I was going to say. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, uh, that is something we 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 want to. You know, when October hits, we wanted to like do the scary side. So uh -huh. you know, we grew up thinking Wiccans are witches. It's like we want to. I don't know. Are yeah. they like? And you meet a Wiccan. And then, like, they're just like people that like to ride yeah. a bike. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then, but we also you talked about trying to find an ex like a person, an exorcist yeah. person, ghost like, hunter. Let's hunter. talk. Yeah. Let's talk, my guy. Or girl. Um, okay. Anyway. They probably wouldn't talk to us, to be honest. No. Yeah. <laughs> We've had no luck so far. Yeah. Um, okay. So you talked about, you know, going on a walk. I'm curious what you do, um, you know, when you're not wearing the collar, when you're not um, on duty, oh, on the clock. Myself. My yeah. What do you yeah. enjoy? What do you I enjoy? Love paint. I'm still an artist. So that's something that doesn't go away. You know, it's just part of who I am and what I'll always do. My prime focus in my life for the last 23 years has been my kids. We've got three kids and the oldest is 23. And um, for the last 27 years has been uh, my wife. And so really that's the big thing. That's more important to me by far than my ministry. Which oh, wow. Some churches won't say they try to make it. Oh, God ha always has to be top of the list. Then God, okay, family, yeah. friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. And one guy, yeah, I won't get into all that. But yeah, no, I, first of all, I, I reject the need to prioritize it. They're just all good. But definitely the, you know, my family is where I'm going to always say that's what I want to do. As soon as I have a spare moment, let's all go hang out together. That's oh, fun. I love that. But I love to paint. Uh, we all love watching movies together and TV. Um, over pandemic, we got into the pattern of every night 
polishing off two big bags of smart food while watching a series smart of food movies. popcorn. Yes, yeah, the best. My favorite. Yeah. Oh my the we, white cheddar white popcorn, cheddar, baby. We have spent Woo. millions of dollars. <laughs> I since love COVID that stuff. Started. I don't know why that became our addiction. And we're yeah. just so classy. Yeah. COVID, um, COVID smart food and red wine. That we just did oh. that. And we watched through Battlestar Galactica, the oh. Avatar cartoons. Um Ted Lasso was a lifesaver. Um, all these, all these shows that that now are forever married to our family. Scared of the COVID stuff going on, yeah. But celebrating what we have together and enjoying that. Oh, time. I love that. So, yeah. Those are all like yeah. when you said Battlestar and even Avatar and Ted Lasso. I'm like check, 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 yeah, dude. Yeah, man. I love My all dog three is of those. Starbucks after no after way Battlestar. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> so were you in line with the collar and everything? Two bags of smart food. Some yes. red wine. And in fact, the guy at the, <laughs> at the liquor store in Fred Meyer one day, I was not wearing my collar. I was just wearing a t-shirt. And uh, the guy said, hey, have you ever read Thomas Merton? Do you like his writings? And if you're not familiar with him, he's like a Catholic monk, I believe, with really beautiful theological writing. But I was like, well, yeah, I do. But why did you ask me that? I'm I, Like, I was just dressed normal. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you were in here last week wearing your collar. And I was curious if you're oh. <laughs> He remembered. That, he remembered that. Wow. Yeah. Because I was in there in the in the wine aisle wearing my collar one day. And a lady came up and she kind of gave me the, you know, the look. People are surprised to see someone dressed like that. And, and I said to her, when I got here, this was all water. <laughs> yeah. oh, Jesus did it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Um, so what do you find yourself like reading for instance? Anything you're reading that you like right back now? Back to the ADHD thing, I've got a stack of books on my nightstand and I'm halfway through all of them. Yeah, me too. And yeah. often I'll get halfway through. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, just last night, my son and I watched um, Lincoln, the Spielberg movie. Yeah. Oh. And he, and I was like, it's based on a book called Team of Rivals and it's on my night. So I brought it out to him. There's a bookmark right halfway through. And I was like, just, just take it. We're good. I'm reading uh, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance at his request. He great, just finished great that. Book. And so I'm, I'm like a third of the way into that. Loving it so far. Um, a whole bunch of churchy books, you know, right. how to run a church, theology books, um, Comic books. Uh, I always will read Watchmen if you're familiar. No with that way. One. That's a really good. What did you think of the HBO show? Did you watch it? Oh, I was disappointed. I, I loved the first, you know, maybe one third of it. Yeah, was really good. They got into the weeds with Doctor Manhattan's return and Adrian Veidt's return. Yeah, I'm like, why? They yeah. should have just focused on the, um, you know, on the massacre and the the rise of hooded justice. Oh man, that you really was, are into it. Yeah, I love was, that. That was really interesting, and it deepened the original story. Whereas the other stuff, I think, undercut the original. Did you watch story. The, the you watch the original movie then, like the first Zack, Zack Snyder's movie? I thought that was pretty okay. Not bad. Yeah, I actually went. I read the graphic novel, and then I went, and no, none of my friends wanted to go see it because it was too weird. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. I'm gonna go by myself. So I, I like, went. There's this enormous <laughs> blue penis in the movie. I don't <laughs> yeah, I want to go. Like, I, well, that not, you you got me. Which movie? Like, yeah, God's <laughs> <laughs> gonna go home and yeah. watch it. Honey, no, we, we're not watching Watchmen. I, I liked Watchmen, but you're right. The Well, it was really like the last third of the TV show that I was like, whew, this just got really out there, yeah. man. And yeah. it's like far, and it, it was just like, but I, I kind of wish they would, it seemed like they tried to condense. They were like, we're only doing one season. So they like yeah, tried to like, yeah. uh -huh. like what, what? that's such a, I mean, first off, the, the main graphic novel is like, 
huge. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to condense that into like 10 episodes, you just can't. Right, so, right. Yeah. Uh, how, do, how do you do it? And what about Midnight Mass? Did you watch oh that? Oh my God. Oh. So good. <laughs> did you watch it? Yeah. I love that. My son made us watch it. And I was like, dude, I don't know. I'm not into like horror stuff. Super and I good. Was yeah. Gross. And I don't want to spoil anything. But for he was so. But he was so good. At that amazing actor. I, oh yeah, yeah. Oh my god. And then the couple of scenes that were intentionally scary, I was so scared. And my daughter was not watching with us. She was not interested. She doesn't like scary stuff. And so she was downstairs in her bedroom. We've got the bedrooms are downstairs, and um, we were upstairs watching the show like late at night. And there's one particular part where there's a, a jump scare, and my wife just screamed at the top of her lungs. <laughs> and my daughter comes running up the steps. What's wrong? What's wrong? And then by that point, Elizabeth is laughing and laughing, like wiping up the wine she spilled or whatever. And, and we had to rewind it and watch it again because we missed like 20 minutes oh, yeah, after show because we were all screaming and laughing. Yeah. I, I finished that show I and then that. I made my wife watch because she's, she's, pseudo horror like okay. stuff that's scary she's like yeah. how scary is this I need to know before I start watching it right. and I made she, her but she's really good I mean you guys just watched Talk to Me We, I made her well I didn't make her watch it I try not to tell her too much okay and just be like, it's supposed to be scary, but not that bad. And yeah, then yeah. we start watching. She's like, oh, my it. God. You downplay <laughs> it. Sorry. I just need somebody to watch it with know. her. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a big I Midnight Mass. Yeah, yeah. She she watched it. Like, I, I, I binged it, like, in two days. That, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh. Um, that, the director, writer who wrote and directed mm-hmm. Midnight Mass, he also did The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And The Haunting and of got Bly Manor. Out, the uh, Fall of the House of Doug, Doug Flanagan? Flanagan? No. Mike, Mike gonna, Flanagan or something I like think, that. I think that's That right. sounds right. My sons both love him and they're going to be mad Same. at me. I can't remember. But yeah, his new one coming out looks really good. I don't know if you saw that. No. It just came out the other day. Is it another? House of Usher based on some Edgar Allan Poe stuff, I believe. Oh, so okay. It looks it looks excellent. Anything he does right now that I'm, I'm just like, oh, yes. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. And I just saw Barbie. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, a few nights ago for the first time. Have you oh, seen that yet? I haven't seen you it haven't yet. Seen it. I it's, don't think I my stopped laughing the whole way through. It's I mean, good, it right? It's just so funny. And and then sprinkled throughout real, in, like, actual meaning and depth. Yes. And heartfelt loving moments up. that were meaningful. But but also, I just couldn't stop laughing. And Ken, in particular, was just killing me. Yeah. It was, it was so good. I want to I want to get that uh, I'm Ken, Ken enough. I'm, I'm Knuff. I'm Knuff. I'm Knuff, whatever. I'm Knuff. Um, yeah, th- that movie blew my mind. It was like, I wanted to go see Oppenheimer, and my wife wanted to go see Barbie. And I was yeah. like, well, yeah, well, let's go see both. So, yeah. like, you know, we didn't do the double duty. We did, like, two different days. Yeah. Um, and I was I just loved Barbie so much. And I was like... Wow, here I am. Like, if I would have talked to myself like 20 years ago and been like, dude, the Barbie movie is right. so good. <laughs> killer. Yeah. Like, I teared up. Like, yeah. I really did. Oh, like that the the like the ending part. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's so it's, it's great. Um, you have to watch it. And I don't want to give I want to talk about Same it with here. you. Yeah, I'm so, I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I haven't been to the that. theater in a long time. Oh, we didn't oh, we bought Barbie on Amazon. Oh, yeah, yeah okay. You can do that now. Yeah. Because we you buy go, movies on There's this TV? thing called technology. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's too new. <laughs> you no, don't even I get have it, I get to it. rewind it when yeah. you're done anything. Oh, you can pause it, leave it. Go to the bathroom. I'm trying to turn in my DVD at Blockbuster still like where's the slot? Rest in peace. I know. Well, Matt, man, we appreciate you coming on, dude. This My was pleasure. We really, uh, I didn't, we didn't have, I didn't have any questions like prepared, but like, man, it's just like the questions that I throw at you, you answer them great. Well, um, we're stoked that you were able to make time for us and kind of talk to us. And um, I think the word that we kept using both of us was refreshing. 
Oh, it was nice. very refreshing to I'm, hear. I'm like a seven up. Yeah, 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 very much so. <laughs> you know, but yeah, a, a diet Dr Pepper would but, be mine. Uh, yeah, I would say <laughs> yeah. healthier for you though. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Reverend Pepper. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, it was very refreshing hearing stuff because it's like you know we talked about there is that animosity towards organized religion or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> On the upside, our church is very disorganized, so that's that's working. I love it. Favor. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> this is, Me this too. is an organized. You see my office. God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it's, you know, I think when, when I, for me personally, it was like when I left the faith, it was like, I just like anything, God, religious, Jesus, it took me a long time to be okay with where I was and where, and who I am now. Right. Because I always, even like, yep. even that I left the faith, I was just, there was a part of me that was guilty. And so hearing this stuff and knowing that there's people out there that are actually like, you know, like leaders of the church mm-hmm. and they're on the same page with yeah. me, like that's very refreshing to hear. So well, I let thank me you. offer you a, um, just a word of hope. I wouldn't presume to know you more than I do, but you used the phrase a couple of times when you left the faith. And let me encourage you to consider that maybe you didn't leave the faith, you left the church. And those are very different statements. Yes, you are correct. You are correct on that. I think, um, and that's another thing too, but like the lingo. Yeah. It's like, I think faith Christianity, organized religion, God, Jesus, yeah. those words were from my past, right? Yeah, and so yeah. when I use it, I almost use them as like a whole big right, right. conglomerate You need to umbrella. find yourself a new word that means I agree with what you you're that. thinking. Yeah. That might be a long search, but for today, just call it nachos. Nachos. I love that. Find yeah. your nachos. Yeah. Find your Find your nachos. nachos. What nachos work for you? Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Matt, we appreciate you coming on and uh, fixing our nachos. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be like, that's a good title that's of the podcast. Fix our nachos. <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Be careful. The plate is hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I forget, where can people find you on social media? We talked about it a lot. On Facebook, just my name, uh, my Twitter, X, whatever the hell that place is now. The hellscape that is musk's domain are you still using it i am it's weird i only just started when musk took over and started going okay so i feel like i walked into frankenstein's castle on the big day (laughs) that he pulled the switch right but my name there was originally just um matt schultz you could find me uh, under that but i've added to it now it says matt schultz reprobate because that means someone who's like a heretic has fallen away from the faith (laughs) wow i think because a guy from my hometown looked me up on facebook friended me read through my stuff and told me what an ass I am. And I'm like, dude, I only said yes to your friend request because we grew up near each other, you know? Blocked. His whole thing was saying that. And the last thing he ever said to me was, goodbye, reprobate. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then blocked me. And I'm like, I, I like that. Now you I have like that, that. I, I a badge that of honor badge. now. I dig it. I yes. love that. On Twitter, you can find me as Matt Schultz Reprobate. On Facebook, just my name, uh, Google Matt Schultz Alaska, or else you'll get Cage yep. the Elephant. Or the former attorney general of Iowa, who is now a DeSantis supporter in that state. Oh. Yeah, my name has some trouble to it. I'm going to have to change it. Um, (laughs) But um, at First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage, Alaska. And that'll get you to the things that we're doing and the things we're going to do. Also consider if you're not interested in church services, so to speak, if you click on the tab that says missions, that word lingo can mean right, means different right. things. We're not out there um, evangelizing at people. You know, we're not trying to convince people. Our missions means service to others. So the food bank, uh, preparing meals for people, visiting people in hospitals. That's that's our missions. So cool. if you want to do those things, and also, if you're in Alaska, look up Christians for Equality. We're always out there causing good trouble. 
I love that. Um, and then you guys meet Sundays? Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. If you want to come to the Sunday school class, it's at 9.30. I don't teach it. A wonderful volunteer in our church named Scott uh, teaches that. He's brilliant and kind. He is a Mr. Rogers kind of guy. You listen to him talk. He's just so quiet and humble. And if you ask him a question, he'll say, I don't know. Let's try to figure that out together. I mean, you oh. have this wonderful conversation. And Does he zip up his sweater as he walks I, in the room? He is worthy of the Mr. Rogers. Sweater. Oh, I love that. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you again. Yes, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Kyle and Steven will be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, check out GoFixYourselfPodcast.com. And remember to always go fix yourself.